shirts are specially designed and have a, a sweat-absorbent interior, in fact, to them. So uh, the hope is it'll help. This cool little jagged pattern down the side, sort of electric, raw blue and red. Same detail around the collar. Material sick. Even more important one was the fact that the German team at a World Cup when they were wearing white shorts never lost a game. Welcome to episode two of the Football Kit Podcast. I'm Les from Hull City Kits. And I'm Dennis from Museum of Jerseys. In this episode, we'll investigate how a furore among fans led to a slight redesign of an international team shirt. We talked to Amil Carrier Elva, the senior designer at ambitious Italian brand Zeus. And we'll exercise our mild obsession with kit mashups by discussing one from the 2010 World Cup in South Africa. Dennis, it's time to roll up your sleeves and flag up an issue for the Russians. Here they are, making flags out of old clothes. Sure, they may not have the right number of stripes. And the colours are all wrong. When international football resumed in September, Russia finally got to wear their new Adidas home shirt. Wasn't that launched last November? It kind of was. Um, a Russia shirt was launched back then but it wasn't worn at the time. Um, most most countries wore them last November, uh, but Russia were the exception because some Russian fans took issue with the fact that the cuffs had blue trim at the side touching the shirt, the red shirt, and white at the edge. And rather than considering that to be just trim, they took umbrage of what they felt was a representation of the Serbia flag, which is the upside-down version of the Russia one, ignoring the fact that if that was the case, the red was way out of proportion. Hmm. So what happened? Uh, the Russia Federation, I suppose, bent to the fans with a little bit. They decided that the older shirt from the 2018 World Cup would be worn in their final two Euro 2020 qualifiers. And Adidas were told to come up with a revised design, which they did. But they didn't actually exercise their design capabilities that much. They simply got rid of the blue from the cuff. So now it's just a big white cuff. Uh, it's unknown whether anybody has taken offence at what could be perceived to be an Indonesian flag. Hmm. I wonder if Adidas could have suggested the players just hold their hands up all the time. But this isn't something that can have happened too much, is it? You know, shirts having to be changed during its lifespan? The, the example that springs to my head would be the 1997 uh, Everton home shirt. Well, Everton don't have a flag, do they? No, they don't, to be fair. Um, but Umbro uh, that year, as well as making the shirt a bit lighter, a uh, shade of blue than normal, they applied a blue, white and yellow, yellow horizontal band to the chest of those shirts, to the players' ones anyway. Hmm. So did the replicas differ then? Oh, they did. They had a yellow, white and blue horizontal band. Um, to give you more information, I'll read you an article from the Liverpool Echo from Wednesday September 17th, 1997, which is a, a kind of a, a beautiful example of classic journalese. So Everton will be wearing a new strip on Saturday after a schoolboy blew the whistle on a designer foul-up. Eagle-eyed Evertonian Robert Armstrong spotted that his new Umbro replica strip wasn't exactly the same as his heroes. While they have a blue, white and yellow stripe next to the name of the sponsor on their chests, his is upside down. Now designer Umbro has admitted that thousands of kits sold to children like Robert are the right ones and the players have been wearing the wrong gear. Simon Marsh, sports marketing manager for Umbro, admitted the mix-up and says the correct strip is winging its way to the club for the home clash with Barnsley. We don't know how this happened, he said, with new shirts are being sent to the club. Mum Bernadette Armstrong of Landseer Road bought the strip for her 13-year-old son. With other bits and pieces, the bill came to £90. When you pay that amount, you expect an exact replica of what the players are wearing. But when he was drawing a picture of the kit, he noticed a stripe was a different way up on his, she said. No, I'm not surprised that you're uh, impressed by your young lad illustrating kits. 
So yeah, I did actually do a quick Twitter search for Robert Armstrong to see if we might be able to reach out to him, but there were no um, no prime candidates jumping out. It's fascinating that Umbro said it was the match shirts that they were wrong rather than the replicas. Yeah, I, it, it rather convenient would be my cynical interpretation because the shorts had the blue, white, yellow striping as on the original player shirt, and they were retained. So uh, I would imagine that it was actually the replicas that were on and Umbro and Everton were saving face. But at least some good came of it. The flawed shirts, which had been worn in the first few games of the season, were auctioned off to raise funds for Alder Hay Hospital's Rocking Horse Appeal for a new cancer centre. Hmm. Well, as a match-worn shirt collector, that makes me think that those match shirts must be quite rare. Perhaps as rare as a Rocking Horse byproduct? <laughs> yeah, I would imagine you'd be paying a pretty penny for the shirts. Is it true? By the son of Zeus. Yes. Italian brand Zeus were founded 21 years ago in Torre Nunziata near Naples. Zeus currently supplies Serie A side Crotone, as well as Serie B frontrunners Salernitana and Alessandro Nestra's Frosinone. Our guest in this episode is the brand's design lead, Amilcare Elvo. Thank you for joining us, Amilcare. Thank you too. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here with you and to share uh, football culture passion. Yeah, it, it, it's really great to be able to to discuss this kind of thing with somebody who who's so involved. Um, I presume you're like the rest of us amateur kit designers in that you started off kind of you know drawing drawing and painting kits of your own from young age. Was there any um, any particular shirt when you were growing up that you really loved that inspired you to to take an interest in the subject? Uh, well, uh, since I was a child, I always loved football shirts. I started to follow football and then football shirts. Uh, um, I think at around the season 95 and 96. Okay. Uh, I was just eight years old and it can seem strange, but the reason uh, why I used to watch Napoli games was because of, of the light blue color of the shirt. <laughs> and uh, after I started to love football, uh, after football shirts. So uh, technical sponsor, main sponsor were part of my personal football match. I started co to compare uh, it against Juventus, Milan, Inter and uh, all the other colorful shirts of Serie A, where I still find the most iconic uh, shirts of the world, like uh, Sampdoria or Fiorentina or um, Genoa, Palermo. Yeah. But it was the, the Azuri of Napoli that grabbed your attention? Yes, of course. Also, because light blue is uh, my favorite color, and uh, I have all my room uh, painted of light blue. <laughs> so uh, I, I love them. I love uh, I love Napoli since I was a child. Okay. So how did you become a kit designer? Uh, yeah, when I was at school as a child, instead of studying, of studying that boring mathematics uh, or poetry, I used to represent and draw uh, serial kits on my sketchbook. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that my passion started from that moment. Uh, I still love um, and have my beloved sketchbooks uh, somewhere in my room. I should find it. Uh, and uh, and once I finished the school, I started to study the world of industrial design, fashion design, and I started to, to follow this way. Uh, it was not an easy way, but, uh, but I tried to add my chance. Uh, in my free time, I used to bring my design to local small companies to have uh, a personal feedback, and so everything started. Uh, I was just 16 when, uh, when I started to send mail to, the, to companies, smaller, bigger, just to have a feedback, to be curious, uh, curious about this, uh, this field. And what, what, what was the reaction like from, from the people you contacted? You know, was it a case that you got some good responses, some didn't respond at all? You know, how, how did it go from there? Yes, I just have um, just at times uh, answer to my questions because uh, you know when uh, someone in a company receives uh, a mail from a young guy of 60 years old, uh, 
can seem a um, waste of time. Uh, yeah. I uh, most every week uh, me at Zeus receive mail from uh, young guys of 16 years old and uh, I just reply to all the mails that uh, I yeah. receive because uh, in this mail I see myself when I was younger. And is was there anyone in particular who you know who who really kind of took the time to to give you the kind of feedback you were looking for on the designs? Uh, yes, I um, uh, was in contact with a great designer that is Jason Lee, um, that has become also my friend, uh, and uh, I just have known uh, him uh, by by web, and uh, I started to become friend with him, send him mail, uh, and receive good feedback because uh, uh, he all the time says that uh, in the future it will pay to help people to be better. So I started to become a very good friend with him and he helped me so much uh, in my job to, to improve myself every day more and uh, was really a mentor for me. So was that when he was with Adidas or when he was with Hummel? Uh, I know him um, when he was a um, design director at Humor. In, uh, in Denmark and uh, once I've been also in Denmark for a job interview with him and his boss and uh, was really 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 nice moment for me uh, that trip uh, and I started to dream about this job I was young I was uh, uh, 23 or 24 years old and uh, I started to, to love absolutely this job because of him okay well you you did start a job but with Legea and um you were involved incredibly in outfitting the North Korean team for the 2010 World Cup so tell us about your involvement in that uh yes we with this question we go back at 10 years ago uh, at, at the beginning of my career I for Legea I was firstly hired as uh, an intern and uh, after I passed as part-time junior designer. And I remember that it was absolutely not easy to communicate with the Federation of Korea uh, because also of the street control that government has. And the marketing um, of Legia just met them once and um, for, for the licensing agreement and uh, to decide the style guide of the collection. Uh, my role then um, was to um, develop the, all the collection, uh, quality check, quality inspection, and other stuff relating to the more technical parts of the job. Um, it was was really nice to see football match or World Cup against Brazil, and uh, these are the, the greatest moment of this job to see you're designing television and uh, watching World Cup with something that you design and this is brilliant. It's very, mm. very nice moment. Initially, the, the, the secretary of the, the North Korean Football Association said um, the, the initial designs was too flashy and North Koreans aren't a flashy people. So they, they went with a bit of a simpler design. Uh, yes, they are very, very traditional and um, is uh, uh, one of the, of the federation that is more um, more close to the to the new. So um, was was not easy to 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 express myself very good with them. And uh, it's just a red shirt, a red short, red socks. And uh, you can just play uh, a little with this federation, these clubs in general. And what what other involvements did you have um, while you were with Legea? Uh, when I was at Legea, um, I, have, I have great memories of when I worked at Legea. I was in, in a team of four with another designer, a developer, and a, a CAD modelist. And it was a great time because I designed all the collection of Udinese and Palermo 2010-2011. And, uh, you know, designing the pink shirt of Palermo um, uh, is something important because it um, uh, was the fabulous team of Pastore Cavani. And Palermo in Italy is uh, still one of the most iconic 
football sheets of of culture of Serie. A. So uh, this has been one of the best moment of my career. And I also remember a funny episode, a funny moment when I was there. I was watching uh, Udinese playing Champions League playoff against Arsenal. And uh, I turned up the volume. Uh, I was with my father and my brother um, to listen to the UCL anthem. And I started to cry as a child because um, I was 25 and I designed a, a Champions League kit. It's something that you can never forget in your life. Yeah. And uh, listening to that sound is something can, that I have in the blood. So well, was one of the, the best moments. And um, from that moment, I started to believe that uh, it could be uh, my, the job of my life. So uh, I was very happy with, with, the, with, it, with that moment in general, with those years and that company. I, I have to sympathize with you because I'm an Arsenal supporter. So yeah. Arsenal stopped the design being seen further in the Champions League. Uh, <laughs> I remember Ch- Chesney saved the penalty, didn't he, in the second leg? Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Against uh, Michael Swell. Yeah. Very strange penalty on Michael Swell. That match. Very funny. But still, by age 25, you'd played a part in a kit at a World Cup and in the Champions League. That's not a bad start. So, so then you had a bit of time where you were freelance and you got to design some leisure wear for the team you support, Napoli. Mm, yes, I was. Uh, it was Napoli of Reina, Higuain, Albiol, and Jose Callejon. And the first time that important players started to come to, come to Napoli to play after years of uh, normal players and middle uh, middle um, level players, uh, it was a great moment too. When you see players of your team, um, since you were a child, uh, to dress your shirts is impressive. I designed a fanswear collection called the Kingdom Collection, inspired to the old Bobone Kingdom with the camo patterns and most everywhere. That was the years that Napoli um, dressed crazy pattern like denim, like uh, camouflage, and what uh, was very, very, very funny and in a very, very good moment when I see Higuain in television with the, my uh, the polo that I have designed was really. Really, really good. I also designed uh, the uh, celebration shirts for the winning of Coppa Italia and uh, was sold uh, very fast in the shops. Uh, and I have one here and it's, it's very, very good. Love it. Um, and as well as that, you, you designed some stuff for Umbro Italy. That's right. Um, Brescia Women's Kiss. Uh, and then some designs that didn't make it, unfortunately. Yeah, I designed for Ambro Italian licensing, um, uh, as you know, and uh, was uh, when a great brand decorates a design, uh, it always comes from comes uh, a unique uh, experience. Uh, it was my first women football club, so I've had a very important research on the women look uh, of all the brands on the market, and was uh, something very new for me, but I think the result uh, was really fine and elegant. Uh, I also designed a collection of Bali that was under contract with them. But soon after, the company didn't reach an agreement for the renewal of the contract and uh, everything was cancelled. It was a really shame. And uh, I was very sad because uh, I made a great work um, with Ambro, uh, the development of, of the collection. So it was really, really a shame. And um, it comes a very elegant, like Ambro style. And uh, I, I was I was proud to, to, to have made that work. So, I mean, that, that kit nearly made production, isn't it? You, you were talking to the factories in China. It, it was that close to being produced when it was cancelled. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, uh, was really... Uh, was going in production very soon, so uh, uh, was uh, was almost uh, in production and was cancelled just in time. Uh, nothing was uh, throw off, but uh, uh, a great work has been cancelled. So it's it's a it's a shame. 
Okay. So you you joined Zayas in January 2018, and that was your, your second spell with the company. So while you've been with them, what do you think is your best kit that would be on your Zayas CV? Um, I've uh, always I've um, worked before for Zeus, but at my return, I'm I'm actually senior designer, and um, the most emotional kit that I have uh, designed for Zeus brand was uh, Frosinone Home Kit 2018-19. Uh, that was uh, the, the second Serie kit made by Zeus after uh, Crotone some, year, some years before. It was very, very important both for me and Zeus. For my side, because after Udinese, I didn't have the chance um, to design anymore for Serie A club. For Zeus, it was important too, because it represented an important step of a relatively recent board brand. Uh, to face the most important player of the world, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, even if I'm a Messi fan, but yeah. um, was was. Um, a great moment for for both me and Zeus. So we are growing together, and uh, watching that match uh, from the stadium, uh, uh, me and uh, the boss, uh, we were like a child. And uh, this is has been the most important point of Zeus uh, so far, because um, Zeus were, uh, was founded in 1999, so he's a young brand, and me, I'm uh, I'm a young designer too. So. This is the moment where our ambitions lined up. And when when a company is still relatively young and, and small, is there is there kind of pressure to come up with something brash or aggressive that will get the, the name noticed rather than if, if you give teams nice classic playing designs, they might almost be ignored. Uh, yeah, when a brand is young, um, it has to catch uh, more eyes as possible. So um, you can find very aggressive design, uh, very aggressive colors, very bright, shining. And sometimes uh, the new products, the new the new fashion comes from uh, you where well, you didn't expect, not, not always uh, from big brands. And the pressure is high because if you do a clean and soft design, uh, you can be boring, you can be banal. If you, and the, instead of this, if you do an eye-catching design, you people say that you are overloading a kit. So it depends mostly from the perception that the fans have of the brand. And year by year, you can um, inculcate your brand style guys in the fans. So they they can uh, expect in a in a way what you what you want to communicate. So uh, it's never an easy job. This year, for example, we went very crazy with our clubs, and the comment went uh, on the website from most beautiful shirt ever to worst shirt I've ever seen. But lots of websites uh, lots of websites have reported about our brand. And is uh, a great feedback for uh, a small brand like us, a young designer like me, and uh, for us was uh, was a success. So also in terms of social media, of uh, engagement, and uh, was a very very good uh, very good collection experience. Hmm. You see, I I do have a a, a Zaya shirt. It's a, a Barry third shirt, and. I think what impressed me about it was the the build quality, um, and and also some of the details on it. Like uh, for example, there's a there's like an embossed cockerel near near the hem, um, and and you know the the, the mesh panels on the yoke. I, I just think the the details are quite lovely, and it, it's pretty clear that that Zayas as a brand are, are, are in it for the craft. Would you agree with that? Uh, yes, I'm happy that you you, you say this because. Um, here at Zeus, we invest lots of money and time in research and development. We are always in search of the best products on the market. So trying to offer a technical advanced product, especially for the licensed clubs um, that for us are a big investment. We expect a good feedback from the market and from the perception of the fans. Um, we propose our best product to all of our class, from the biggest to the smallest, to let them proud of uh, where it is. And um, we study all the time um, 
I am personally in contact with factories uh, of new badges, new printings, um, new workmanship and fabrics. So, for example, uh, for the next year, we are studying knitting technology that Nike um, already is producing from some years, and uh, we are uh, we are improving every day more. Uh, and I know it's probably hard for you to answer, given that you, you haven't been around for the whole company history, but how would you describe the design philosophy uh, of Zayas? Is that something that, that you decide on, or is it something that comes comes down from above and you have to implement? Yeah, since uh, this was born, the brand has uh, always had the aim of providing local and national football academies uh, um, with all, uh, every, whatever item for the sport. Um, we also had in the past an internal screen printing and uh, the products um, leave the company completely customized, ready to wear by the clubs. As, news, um, as soon as the business increased year by year, uh, has been unprecedented for football players and clubs till the first contract with, uh, with the Crotone. At the moment, uh, we are still technical sponsor of Crotone after 12 years, and they actually are playing their third season in Serie A. As the sun direction, we always uh, propose eye-catching styles, trying to be, uh, as I say, the crazy alternative of, to the big brands. Uh, you know, being a small brand, uh, you you don't have so much time to to catch the eyes uh, um, of the fans. So you have to be uh, more um, fast, more um, more complete in the small time. In the small time. So um, as technology, uh, we we have a research and development uh, department, and we study all the products from the uh, smallest brand uh, uh, of Napoli to the biggest brand in the world. Uh, we have a product from Mexico brands uh, to Thailand brands uh, from all the world. So um, research uh, is, is uh, the most important thing in this job. And uh, if you have a look for all the products on the market, you can, um, you can design the best that you, that you can do. So the study is really important in this job. So how bespoke can Zayas make what they supply to clubs? And, you know, is there, is there a point where as a brand grows, it reaches a size where it can provide the individualism that might be expected? Uh, here it says we always try to um, deliver the best product for all the clubs and customers. Of course, it's not easy to dress all the clubs in the same way, from Serie A to the lowest division, but we offer bespoke product also to very small clubs. And where possible, uh, we also offer the same product of our licensed clubs. Um, it's clear that at some point not all the, um, all the academies and clubs and customers can have a totally bespoke collection. So in the last years, uh, we also have introduced uh, an advanced professional collection in our catalog uh, where clubs can buy some products, um, the same products of all uh, our licensed clubs. So um, we, we try to make everyone happy, every customer um, that wants the best from us and we try to deliver as much as possible. Um, Emil Carey, am I right in saying that your design input goes beyond just the playing kit that you're involved in, the off-field gear as well? Is that, um, is that a distraction from the, the main job of designing the kit or do you enjoy the, the variety? Uh, as I always say, being a designer is the best job ever. So whatever you design, you enjoy at the same uh, level everything. And uh, when I design leisure wear or training kits, uh, uh, I enjoy at the same level uh, as when I do home kits that can be the most uh, most lovable product. Uh, for the last collection of Salernitana, for example, we have produced a full collection of more than 100 products, including the from football kits to keychains, from ball to scarves and gloves. So. Um, 
and when I see a collection full of items and um, all these items, uh, it's a really satisfying sensation. It's a good sensation when you have a catalog in your hands and you go ahead with pages and see lots of products designed by you. It's really, really good sensation. Is is that quite unusual, Amilcare? You know, you're saying about you know like designing like the the key rings and stuff. Um, Rob Warner, the Puma and Umbro designer, he said recently that often, like clothes that the club produce themselves instead of the kit manufacturer, sometimes aren't very good. But the Zayas approach appears to be we'll make everything. Yeah, it depends from the club. Um, many clubs, as um, they have an agreement with the local licensee, and um, they product the, they produce the the merchandising they sell. So it depends. Depends from the clubs. Um, our service can do from whatever. As catalog product, we we don't have so much uh, merchandising products like caps or mugs or keychains. But um, when we have a, a licensing contract with the clubs, we can produce whatever. Uh, for example, for Salernitana, we also have produced umbrella, uh, fisherman chair. We have uh, everything uh, for the for this club because they um, uh, they gave us the the freedom to produce whatever. So uh, we enjoyed so much for this collection. I bet Jason Lee's never designed a fisherman's chair. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really don't. I really don't know, but I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. How do you approach goalkeeper kits? Um, you know, what do you have to keep in mind there? Is that a slightly different challenge? Uh, goalkeeper kits in the heart of football uh, fanatics like me. Um, I've always been. Uh, the shirts of dreams and you can go easily back to 90s where uh, goalkeeper kits were most a legend like uh, Mexico Campos in USA 94, uh, David Seaman and uh, and so on. Goalkeeper kits is something that goes uh, goes beyond the football and football for kids in general. It's something unique that uh, tells us a story of the, of the goalkeeper, for example, uh, from the family of the goalkeeper, and uh, and is is like a, a white sketchbook for uh, for us designer. Um, nowadays the product is very different from nineties, but you can enjoy with the very colorful and bright kits something that goes very far from other players. Sometimes design for goalkeeper is also more fascinating than design on kits. The technology is almost the same of. Um, normal player but before uh, uh, years ago someone um, designer added uh, padded sleeves or padded legs but it's something uh, very old at the moment um, we still have uh, we still have as use uh, some models in our team where catalog that uh, still have this difference um, but uh, the professional goalkeepers um, they don't want it anymore, and uh, I think also uh, rules and regulation uh, don't allow this uh, this thing. For example, caps uh, uh, like Andanovic is not um, so much um, seen on the fields like before. And when 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 uh, when you come to a deal with a club. How how much input does the club have, come and how much leeway are you given, or does it differ from club to club? Like I know some Italian clubs like Milan and Roma, they'll always have a white change kit. Um, yeah. Are you restricted a lot of the time, or do you have a, a lot of um, a lot of latitude? Uh, yeah, this is a good question. It depends from the clubs. For example, there are. Um, Clubs very transition with kids, proud of their heritage, like North Korea, I said before. Or in that case, um, you can't go so much crazy. And sometimes there are uh, most modern kids, maybe owned by uh, young guys and passionate uh, president uh, about kids, uh, and that uh, give you the chance of provide something never seen on the market. 
on particular colors uh, to be remembered uh, in football kit history and uh, they want to write history themselves so uh, it depends club by club for example i think that ac milan uh, can't let you play so much with the kids uh, because of their great and heavy heritage um, so you can see uh, all the time very classic kids very normal kids but um, is okay it's home shirt uh, i agree with this uh, with this uh, brand with puma in this case uh, and with uh, with milan because milan has uh, i think one of the best heritage in football culture um, i think the worst thing in this is when uh, uh, there are some crazy presidents then that, that try to be designer and uh, just you do you they cannot understand what you're doing so they change every time your design. Uh, we have had also this time a changing in Salernitana case because of um, colors, something like that. Uh, anyway, we try to make um, everyone happy, trying to reach the best product based um, a mix for uh, with your suggest, with our suggestion and their request. So uh, we try to deliver the best product. Um, uh, the best way to have the, the best product on the market. Crazy presidents in Italian football, it, it's hard to believe. Uh, you can see Napoli, for example. <laughs> <laughs> One of the craziest. <laughs> so, Zayas have made some vintage style shirts, um, such as Salernitana for the, for the centenary and uh, there was a Frosinone 90th anniversary shirt. How do you approach that kind of project? Yeah, designing a vintage football shirt is always something unique. When you design a vintage shirt, you have to have um, respect for with the club's heritage. And you have to study a lot the, the full story of the club. In the same time, it's important to choose also a particular season where the club or an iconic player made history. Maradona shirt of late 80s, for example, with Buitoni sponsor, become uh, an evergreen in football culture. People remember matches and players, and you have to touch their hearts with the uh, revival that time, and differently than designing a new season kit that uh, you have to bring a new flavor, sometimes uh, something that can become a new classic, uh, and you can go very crazy. Um, and try to invent something totally new uh, instead of a vintage shirt that you have um, to be more classy as possible uh, because you are um, uh, living again the history and uh, people remember uh, history is very important for for fans history of the club I think I think we see that in the level of books that have been produced about Italian clubs' kits. I'm lucky enough to have Roma, Sampdoria, Bologna, Verona. They're all great uh, productions. So you can see that there is that respect for the heritage. But is it maybe the case that they don't actually buy replicas then as much as the fans in other countries? Uh, yeah, Italian kids for me have the best teams of football culture, like Sampdoria, that actually for me is still the best shirt of the world, or Fiorentina, or Palermo, Genoa, or the striped um, Juve, Milan, and Inter. Um, but they actually don't find the right feedback in the store. They deserve the feedback in the store. Maybe it's because of the high price of the kit. My answer is maybe. Uh, maybe because an official shirt uh, can cost you also 140 euro, and uh, you know uh, this price is not for everyone. Uh, 90 euro for a replica shirt can be still so much, and uh, you have then to think that replica kits or any other merchandising product is meant for fans, it's not a boutique. 
so I can understand in that a licensing agreement uh, is going to cost very much for the brands. But I think that the correct way that the brands should follow is to produce replica shirts with an affordable price. For example, here in Napoli, um, replica shirts can cost uh, 40 euro and is, uh, is the correct price for a replica kit for me. And if you want a pro level shirt, uh, the cost is higher and is 90 euro. That is the same product that players use uh, during the match. Uh, and I think that reviewing the pricing, um, the market can increase a lot because uh, somewhere in Italy, football comes uh, before, uh, before all. And uh, there are very, very passionate fans, uh, like for example, also Les, that is a fan of Sampdoria. And um, there are uh, passionate people uh, all over the world, I would say. Uh, um, but I think that uh, a pricing review uh, can be can be good to to sell much more. Mm. I think there's many Italians who feel that way. You mentioned Sampdoria and Luca Giglione, who wrote the book La Maglia Più Bella della Monda. You know, he he was talking recently about um, you know the Germa shirts were expensive, but he was saying the Macron shirts are like. 15 euros more expensive and he was saying you know because of that people aren't buying them um yes me too i buy i buy napoli shirts when uh, all the years but uh, not everyone uh, has the same uh, thinking uh, like me and um, many people buy football shirts but uh, if we can cost um, a lower price, they can buy all the three kits and uh, the fleas and whatever merchandising product. So uh, I think that uh, is something uh, not necessary as um, as product. So I think that um, football culture must be uh, more near to the to the people and to the fans. Okay. So going forward, then, um, as a brand, what are the ambitions of Zayas? Um, Zeus um, has, has great ambition, this brand. is young and uh, his best moment uh, still uh, has not arrived. Uh, I think that in next years um, we are um, always trying to deliver the best product for our, our customer, for the fans, and maybe improve with the Serie A clubs and uh, make a good, great experience with Serie A and uh, who knows, maybe also Champions League or Europa League. And just finally, then I suppose you're obviously focused uh, a lot on on Zayas, but what 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 other companies um, do you admire and, and respect, and perhaps take inspiration from? The inspiration behind my design, um, I love uh, I love very much Ambro. Ambro for me is uh, one of the best brand on the market because of the classy design that um, lets you think at uh, the football culture of 80s and 90s of English clubs, UK clubs. I love UK shirts. And um, as technology, I think that in this moment, Nike is offering the best, uh, the best product on the market. Adidas is following, but uh, I think that uh, Nike is the best product in this moment with knitting um, technologies, instead of uh, great technology for badge printings, uh, colors, uh, and uh, exploring the culture very, very much. Uh, I think that Adidas is the best brand to make storytelling. The storytelling of Adidas, uh, I think, is the best. But as the technology, I think that Nike in this moment uh, is, uh, is the best brand in the world. So Les, what mashup has been mashing your head of late? Well, I've been pondering the 2010 World Cup and in particular the round of 16 game between Argentina and Mexico. Is that the one where Argentina wore royal blue shorts with their Albi Celeste stripes? That's the one. And what fascinates me about this mashup is is just how unnecessary it was. Um, there was no shorts clash. 
You know, Argentina's black shorts provide as much contrast as is possible next to Mexico's white, and that left just the socks. Now, Argentina had won white socks in two of the group games against South Korea and Nigeria, and in the majority of the friendlies played earlier in 2010. But when the shirt was released, there was a press photo of the players wearing it, along with black shorts and, more notably, black socks. Now, they also wore black socks in a home friendly against Costa Rica in January 2010. So my question is, where were the black socks? It's a very good question. And another oddity is the fact that the blue Adidas stripes on the white socks look like they were designed for the away shirt because it's a royal blue rather than a sky blue. If I was to make a guess, I would say the white socks were preferred because they fit the 1986 aesthetic of the shirt better because when you look at the 2010 shirt it, it's clearly based on the 1986 shirt it's got a white crew neck the, it's got a royal blue background on the afa crest which might be why they think the royal blue on the the socks they could get away with that and most notably it's got a white central stripe and when you look at argentina's shirt history it's quite rare for them to to have a white central stripe so beside this one the 1986 shirt it's clearly riffing on the only shirts with a white central stripe are the ones worn between 1960 and 1966 which was replaced just before the world cup in england and it also had a white middle stripe on the 2006 world cup home shirt now I wonder if this shirt is meant to look like the 1986 shirt that Maradona wore when he lifted the World Cup in Mexico, then you can perhaps understand Maradona as a manager in 2010 preferring the white sock look and figuring it would be good luck. What I will say is that we do know Argentina do have form in terms of superstitions around mixing kit elements because in 1990 they lost their first match to Cameroon and after that game, the manager, Carlos Bilardo, he had the Adidas stripes removed from the black shorts so that they resembled the ones worn in 1986. I imagine that was a lot of work for the kit, man. But, you know, <laughs> I can accept that there's, there's some sense to that, as, as much as there is sense to superstition. But the question remains, if there was a set of black socks, then why not wear them against Mexico? Now, as I was pondering this, I couldn't let it go. So I contacted someone I know who collects Argentina match-worn shirts. And I asked him if he, if he knew the kit man. And he said, yeah, actually, I do. Um, kit man Mario, he's still the kit man. And he, and he was the kit man in 2010. And he said, do you want me to text him? I went, yes, please. And he said, uh, well, you might not get a quick answer because he's on a flight to Bolivia for a World Cup qualifying game. So, you know, I, I carried on chatting to him. And one thing that he was saying... As he, as he sent the text in a way to the response was that he said that Argentina are quite unusual in that they don't really think in terms of home socks, away socks, alternate socks. He said they just have white socks, blue socks and black socks and they'll just make a decision which one to wear on the day of the game. And I was a bit sceptical of that, but it does track when you look at the team's pre-World Cup games in 2010. So when the blue chain shirt was first used against Jamaica at home in the February 2010, they wore black socks with it. Now, Jamaica wore yellow socks, so Argentina could have worn whichever set of socks they wanted to without any clash, but they still went with black. Very unusual, but, you know, it's fascinating from a kit nerd's point of view. Um, and did the collector get back to you with any response from the kit man? He did, yeah. Um he sort of said, he said, is delivery a word? <laughs> and I think he was trying to make sense of the of the kit man's response. I think what he was saying is that it wasn't a, it wasn't a deliberate choice. There wasn't much deliberation. You know, he said it's possible that they just grabbed whatever was to hand to show the referee. That's what the referee approved. Um, but he did acknowledge that you know, it's 10 years ago. His, his memory's a little bit fuzzy now. <laughs> Although you'd you think, you know, because it's such a rare look for Argentina, I can't think of any games where they have worn royal blue shorts with the home shirt. You, you'd think it would stick out more in his memory, but I suppose it, when he's been doing it that long, some of the games probably blend into one another. And what happened? The Black Sox were they ever seen again? Well, they did get used again. The Argentina played Brazil in November 2010, and later on they played Portugal in February 2011. 
and in each case they wore black socks so they might not have taken them to the world cup but they still was there in the kitman's cupboard in buenos aires and they were used for for that game uh, against portugal which was the last time that shirt and therefore the entire set of kit was used by the next time they played in the march against venezuela they'd launched two new kits very interesting indeed perhaps one of the listeners has more insight that they can provide if they do or if they want to get in touch with anything please uh, contact us we are on twitter at football kit pod uh les what's the best way to contact you in the cyber world uh i'm at whole city kits on twitter i i monitor that quite routinely that it might be a an odd thing to be doing to send that account like some some information about Argentina socks, but frankly, I welcome all kit discussion. Yes, and I'm the same. I can be contacted at Museum of Jerseys on Twitter. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We must give our sincere thanks to Emil Carrielvo of Zeus. Um, hopefully, we'll make contact with him again, and he won't give us the elbow. Eh, eh. <laughs> And on that uh, bum note, we will leave it there. So thanks for listening and hopefully we'll be back soon with episode three.